0: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles.
1: Let's talk some Patriots, shall we? He's Greg Bedard. I'm Nick Cattles. Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles brought to you by betonline.ag. Fastest, easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Uh, Greg, you have a fun topic today. Of course, we're kind of in the dead season. got about a month or so until training camp. Uh, begins and we start to really talk about this football team again and and what it looks like on the field but you wanted to talk about the Patriots that have the most pressure on them this season but the first question you have is is this real does this pressure actually exist for professional athletes and coaches what do you think Greg does it actually exist is there pressure
0: yeah and I thought this was a good question it actually came from a guy who responded to me on Twitter and um you know he was obviously being um how would I term it? Um, you know, a little, let's, let's say defensive, but he basically said like, you know, trust me, these players and coaches feel much more internal pressure than they do external pressure. And like, look, I would say that's fair to say for the most part, I mean, you don't get to be a professional athlete at this level or a coach without being driven and putting pressure on yourself internally. I mean, me as a youth coach, I deal with this stuff, you know, all the time in terms of, you know, I talk to these I, and for people who don't know, I coach a lot of um, softball, like high school level softball club softball. And uh, we just had a couple of tournaments and, you know, and I deal with these athletes all the time and they're at a you know strange age where it's like, you know, it's basically like we've taught them enough. Now it's, do you want to be good or not? And, right. you know, these people who have reached these heights, which is, you know, High school ball, competitive, you know, really good high school ball, it, you know, to professional sports is all the way up here. But those people don't reach those heights without demanding a, a certain level from themselves. And we're talking greatness because you have to, to, to reach, to, to play in college, to then to play in the pros. I mean, you have to, you have to put, you know, this, this, internal pressure on yourself every day to say, I'm going to get better every day because my competition out there, the people who are I'm competing for spots to be recruited in college, the people, the draft, like they have to compete every single day or else they don't reach this level. So there is a certain aspect of that. But I do think that at a certain point in people's professional careers and, and a lot of the people that are on my list, and I'll be interested to see what your list is. And we dealt with players and coaches on the Patriots, you know, you reach a certain level where you've made a certain amount of money. And, you know, there are expectations. And you know, I do think that at, at a certain point in time, you know, you've been pushing yourself, but now you do start to hear the the pressure externally, whether it's sports talk radio or social media nowadays and and yep you know, friends and family and things like that. I mean, you know, for example, one guy who I'm sure is on both of our lists is Johnny Smith. Like you don't think Johnny Smith when he, you know, when he went home or, you know, goes to a family barbecue, you know, this week that, you know, he doesn't think that, you know, some of his family members might be looking at him. be like, you know, what was up with last year? You put up better numbers with Ryan Tannehill. How come you couldn't do better with the Patriots? (laughs) Like, what are you going to do? You know, you're making a lot of money. And, you know, what are you going to do? And I do think that it's real. I think that internal pressure, number one, absolutely drives these guys. It's the reason why they get to this spot. But I do think that, especially once you've established yourself as an NFL player, I do think that there is external pressure. And I do think some of the people that we're talking about with the Patriots this year, I do think they feel it all in a certain, at least in certain respects. It's human nature. Like you have to feel
1: pressure. if If you're, if you care about your job, if you care about your performance, if you care about being the best at what you do, inherently, there is some pressure. And as you said, Greg, you have to deal with the external pressure. Now, it doesn't mean these guys are running into the corner in the fetal position with their tail right. tucked between the legs. That's not what we're saying. We're saying mm-hmm. they do feel the pressure. They understand there is pressure for them to perform. They're in the public eye. And I think sometimes we we kind of just fall into this. And I, I don't want to get too, you know, Hallmark card here or anything, but you know, we, we do kind of fall into this idea that professional athletes and coaches are robots and that they just do what they do. They go out there. nah, man, they're, they're human beings, right? Like mm-hmm. you look back at Marcus smart last year, right? Not, not this most recent season, but a year ago before this fun run by by the seas. And, you know, he dealt with a lot of loss in his life. He dealt with a lot of stuff and it affected his play on the floor. He He wasn't nearly the same defensive player. He usually is. He wasn't the same player he was, right? And and he mentioned that before the season began. And and I just, I hate the idea of of when these guys have reasons, you know, it's reasons versus excuses. And sometimes people have legitimate reasons why they might not be playing at the level you expected them to. And I'm just so tired of, you know, the sports media in general, going out there and screaming through the microphone or screaming on their TV sets to to sit there and, and just yell at these guys and say, oh, just excuse after excuse. No, I mean, they are human beings. They go through some of this stuff and pressure is part of it. All right, let's let's look at uh, the the five guys that we think have the most pressure on them this season. What we'll do is we'll actually start from the bottom. So five to one. Greg,
0: give us your fifth guy on your list. Fifth guy for me is Matthew Judon. And I, you know, I think this is a guy who is even acknowledged. He he realized that he basically disappeared down the stretch. And he's talked about that he needs to be in better shape and, you know, he needs to anticipate how teams are going to react to him and things like that. But I think, you know, when you look at number one, um, you know, how much the Patriots are paying him. Um, He's at the top of the food chain in terms of he's the highest paid player on the team, cap space, real money. Uh, You you talk about uh, what he means to this team and about how, look, you know, we might think good things of say, Josh Uche and Ronnie Perkins and, you know, whoever on the other side. But, you know, in terms of dominating pass rushers, there's little doubt the Patriots have made this scheme with Matthew Judon in mind, that he is going to be the star outside guy who's going to affect the quarterback more often than not. And the scheme is predicated on that. So not only, you know, should, you know, Judon have, you know, internal pressure to, to, make up for what happened last year down the stretch. And I don't think there's any coincidence that the Patriots defense was riding high when he was, do- he was dominating games. He was a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate. Then all of a sudden he disappeared and the defense nosedived and they couldn't stop anybody. They couldn't stop the bills. As we all know, we couldn't, we couldn't get him to punt. And I think that, and also I think he realizes that for this defense to be good, which is going to be a key for this team overall, Matthew Judon has to be that player consistently throughout the season. So I do think that there's pressure on him. And I think he, I think he knows it.
1: John o. Smith is my guy at five. Uh, look, I think he could be an X factor for this offense. If you look at what they can put together and we talked about this the last podcast about that, there is some good depth offensively on this team at receiver mm-hmm. at tight end at running back. I'm not worried about their running game whatsoever. i actually feel as good about their receiving core as I felt about their receiving core in, in a number of years, if Janu could be that second guy, along with Hunter Henry, you know, defenses have a lot to deal with. If they've got to deal with the Janu factor and he's, we talked about everything that he could bring to the table last year. We don't need to go down that road again, but I do think he's kind of the unaccounted for piece. And the reason why he's five on my list is, you know, obviously they made the playoffs last year without him being a factor. So they could still survive if he doesn't play great. But man, if if he, if he ups his level, Greg, I think this offense is just that
0: much better. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with you and he, he is on my list. He's a little bit higher, but at number four, I had Matt Patricia, and this is a guy who could go up the list. We just don't know exactly what he's doing. I'm just dealing with what I think right now, which is, um, he's going to be the offensive line coach. I think he's going to do fine at that, um, I'm most interested to see, like, all right, is he the offensive coordinator? Is he the play caller? Is he just – is he coordinating the offense during a week and Joe Judge is going to be calling play? Like, we don't know what's going on, but I just think in terms of we know he's going to be the offensive line coach. He's going to have at least a lot of input into their direction as an offense, and I think that – you know, I think that he needs to deliver. I think that the offensive line – and I think he'll do fine, but look, the offensive line needs to play really well. I mean, to, for those pieces that you talked about to work, for Mac Jones to blossom in year two and take another step, you know, it, 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 Matt Patricia has to figure out what's going on in the offensive line, whether it's Trent Brown on the left side, got to get, you know, high level of play from a rookie in Cole Strange. Um, can Michael Winnie play guard? He couldn't last year well enough he got replaced by Ted Karras is it Isaiah went on the right side or is he going to get traded and they got to plug somebody else in whatever it is the offensive line has to play well so for me you know Patricia has to be on his game I have some confidence that that's going to happen uh, but I do think there's a lot of pressure on him especially with what Belichick's risking you know yeah no doubt
1: you look you set me up perfectly Trent Brown Ah, uh, Trent Brown's my next guy. It, to go along with what you just said, I mean, if Trent Brown can't stay healthy, if Brown doesn't have a good season productively up front, this offensive line they have some question marks. If if Brown plays well and stays healthy, a lot of the other pieces kind of just slide right in, and you feel better about it. But you've got the David Andrews injury situation going on. Uh, is he going to be 100% as they get closer to training camp? Uh, I'm not too worried about Owenu, but. You know, what do they do with Isaiah Wynn? Is, is he gone? Is he not gone? You're dealing with Cole Strange, uh, his rookie season. You're worried about some of his anchor issues uh, early on in his career. Is he going to get off to a fast start? If Brown is playing left tackle, then he's got to be there to help secure Cole Strange. I just think that Trent Brown is kind of the, the key that unlocks this offensive line. If you can go into every single week feeling pretty damn good about him, you should feel better about the offensive line. If you go into each week wondering if he's healthy, is he playing well, all of that stuff, then I think it's a trickle-down effect. And that trickle-down could cause some major issues in front of Mac Jones, which really concerns me. So I've got Trent Brown as my four guy.
0: Yeah, good name. He, I definitely considered him. He's not on my list, but I did consider him for, for the reasons that you laid out. Number three for me is a guy we already talked about, Johnny Smith. And the reason why he's higher on my list than probably most, like you, you had him at five, is because I'm also taking into consideration that the Patriots have, for now, jettisoned the fullback. So, to me, that means that they're going to put a lot on the tight ends, the H-backs, you know, and that includes, number one, Janu Smith. If he was, he's making $12.5 million a year. Uh, I think it was OverTheCap.com said that he basically played to a $3 million level last year. Um, uh. Yeah, and so you know if if they're not going with a fullback he's going to be the h back to get him on the field more and do some things and so he's going to be asked to do more blocking he's going to get the ball out of the backfield you know he'll get some you know wheel routes and things like that like they're they are by getting rid of the fullback they have already put more pressure on Joe New Smith. he didn't deliver last year uh you know good signs so far i would say in in the off season but to me there's no question that there's a ton of pressure on Johnny Smith and and it'll be interesting to see how he reacts. Jalen Mills crucial to this defensive back room. Uh, You know, just, just
1: similar to the offensive line. There's questions about the DBs, right? Look, safety. We talked about this during our last podcast. Both of us feel really good about the safety room. They're, they're deep. They're Mm -hmm. talented. They have a mix of young and old. We feel pretty good about the safeties back there, but cornerback is still a a big question mark with this football team. Is Malcolm Butler going to make the team? How will he perform? Can they depend on Terrence Mitchell to be a solid guy who can be actually, you know, a number two, maybe on the outside for this football team, Jack Jones, he's in the mix, but you know, do we believe that Jack Jones can make an impact in his rookie season? We have a lot of questions on the outside and It looks like they're going to bank on Jalen Mills to be one of their guys, right? Maybe their top guy. And I'm not totally sold on Mills. I wasn't sold when they signed him. I know some of the analytics and statistics will tell you that he had a pretty good season last year. I thought he gave up some big plays and some big moments. Uh, So I have my questions about Jalen Mills. If he plays good and he locks down one of those two cornerback spots, you're in a better position, Greg.
0: Yeah, I you know I I I'm not going to argue with that. I don't have any cornerbacks on my list, and you could definitely put one there considering there's so many question marks. I just couldn't sort them all out to to figure one guy has a ton of pressure on him because I wouldn't say Malcolm Butler does. I do think with Jalen Mills, I think you'll get uh you know a certain level of play that'll be good enough. Um, it's a question of who's going to st- step up, whether it's Terrence Mitchell or Jack Jones or what have you. So I couldn't go with the cornerback, but number two on my list is Joe Judge. Um, what we, to what we know so far, he's at least going to be coaching Mac Jones. And to me, you know, there is no bigger position, more important position, especially after watching Josh McDaniels go to Las Vegas and, and the amount that he had to coach Mac Jones last year, that everybody's going to be looking at Mac Jones. And if Mac Jones is not good enough, If he takes a step back or just treads water, everybody is going to look at Joe Judge and blame Joe Judge. And so, you know, for me and one guy who I didn't have on this list who, you know, I'll just bring up here real quick was Mac Jones, because I think Mac Jones, you know, if if he's successful this year, everybody's going to say, give him the credit. If he's bad this year, it's going to go on Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, Bill Belichick. And so. I think that Joe Judge, I don't think there's any question After what happened in New York He's switching sides of the ball Now he's coaching quarterbacks Nobody, if you did a survey I would say like 90% of people think this is going to be a disaster And Joe Judge has to know that He knows that You know, we talk about, is pressure real He knows that, he knows he has to deliver We'll see whether he does or not
1: Again, you set me up perfectly Mac Jones is my Mm -hmm. number two guy Dealing with new staff, dealing with a new play caller, whoever that is, dealing with new offensive terminology. Uh, there's expected improvement from him. Everybody is kind of looking at him to take that big next step here in his second season. I was watching the NFL Network yesterday, and Pete Schrager's talking about how he thinks he could have a legitimate shot at MVP if the Patriots you know, play well enough and, and, and battle for the AFC East. It just feels like over the past few weeks, as people have seen Mac in better shape, and I know it's T-shirts and shorts, but all of these, you know, reports from practice about how accurate he is. And yes, even when you compare his accuracy to last season of T-shirts and shorts, he's better. A lot of people think that this offense is going to be better because of the addition of Devontae Parker and, you know, the growth of some of their younger guys and the growth of the second year guys like Jonu Smith. And really, finally, like this is his team on the field, this is now max team. And when you talk about the quarterback position, which is the most crucial position in all of sports, this is his team now. And, you know, I, I, I agree with you about if they, if they play well and he plays well, he'll get credit. I do think if he doesn't play as well, he will get some of that criticism. I mean, it's, it's only how it happens now in the world, right? You blame the quarterback, you give credit to the quarterback. There, there will be some people, I think locally, New England fans will blame Joe judge. I think nationally, if the Patriots offense takes a step back or Mac takes a step back, I think it'll be Mac Jones at the front of the line. And you'll have all of those articles written. You'll have the first take shows wondering if, you know, uh Oh, Mac Jones, has he reached his ceiling? You'll have all of those questions. So I've got Mac at number two. I believe Greg, I
0: believe that you and I have the same person at our number one spot. You can lead off. I will as soon as I tell you about betonline.ag. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, fighting news. You have have 276 this weekend, 276 huge
1: Israel Adesanya versus Jared Cannonier I mean we're talking big Max Holloway versus Volkanovski Greg I know you're into this thing I know you're pumped and jacked about these fights on Saturday night if you're a fight fan Saturday night is a big
0: one for bet online There you go and also hey training camps coming up You know, Before injuries shift the scene in the NFL, get your bets on the NFL futures as far as wins, who's going to win, conference titles, Super Bowls, BetOnline has all that stuff. It's your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports and more. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50 to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, so, you know, getting back to our countdown, just to sort of continue the discussion about Mac Jones, and this will lead into my number one is Bill Belichick. So, you know, we, we can just continue this discussion. I I just think, I think if Mac Jones falls on his face, and especially given all the Patriots' success, Bill Belichick's 70 years old, Josh McDaniels leaves, I think national people realize they're all looking like I heard Stephen A. Smith on, you know, Felger and Maz, they were talking about this. They look at, you know, Belichick surrounding himself with Matt Patricia and Joe judge. I just think to me, I think Mac Jones is in a lose, no lose situation. I think that nationally, if he fails, everybody is waiting. Everybody's waiting to put more nails in Bill Belichick's coffin. And I think if the Patriots falter, I think all those guys are going to be ranting and raving that Belichick has passed him by, he made a mistake, it's a debacle. Is this the end of Bill Belichick? That sort of thing.
1: Look, I think the narratives will absolutely follow Belichick, dependent on what happens. I think it's the flip side too. I mean, if if they play well and Mac plays well, I do think you'll get the ha Belichick at the last laugh on some of these idiots that have been doubting yep. him the whole time. But yeah, I mean, Belichick is the guy. He's number one on my list. And it's not just because of the narratives and the storylines and some of the talk radio stuff. It's the legit changes that he has made and the risks that he is taking the coaching staff. We've talked about it. The changes on offense, the terminology, maybe some more, you know, zone runs, trying to throw some wrinkles, getting rid of the fullback, moving away from Josh McDaniels. And it looks like. Belichick kind of feels like he has a little bit more freedom to do what he wants to do with the offense. Now that McDaniels is gone, the, the defensive personnel, Greg, that falls under Belichick as well. You know, will they work out at linebacker Raquan McMillan, Cameron grown, Mac Wilson? Will will one of those guys pop the cornerback position. Did he make a mistake by letting JC Jackson go? Is he going to be able to kind of replace that production uh, on the outside at cornerback? And as you mentioned, Mac Jones, his development, and and the decisions that Belichick has made to set up Mac in his sophomore season, all of the pressure, I think, you know, when you look at a big picture is Belichick and it should be, this is what happens when you're the head coach and you're the guy that calls the shots with the
0: personnel and And you have, Nick, just r- real quick, one thing you left out that enhances your argument, and I completely agree. We're on the same page on this. You know, decision to promote Matt Groh instead of like an Elliot Wolf in a personnel their draft trading down, passing on some players, taking a guard Cole Strange there, Tyquan Thornton, who we can know can fly. How much is he going to play this year? You know, I think you put all that stuff together. You know, plus I would add. The Crafts, I think, you know, Robert Kraft came out and said at the league meetings, you know, three years we haven't won a playoff game. And I I think about that a lot. And I think in my conversations with people around the team, I think the Crafts are looking at what Bill has done over recent years and including his coaching decisions this year. And they're kind of like, you know, Bill's earned the the right to do what he wants to do, but we're watching and we're very interested to see what happens.
1: And there's no bigger pressure. You know this from you know working and everybody listening to this podcast knows whatever they do for their job. There really is no bigger pressure than when your boss steps in and says, hey, you got to step up. And that's what Kraft has done in his own way. So Belichick has the pressure of the owners, of his boss to do better. So he doesn't even need any. And I'm sure he doesn't care about some of the stuff that outsiders say and you know mm-hmm. the media says but he does have that legit pressure coming from the people that pay him. And that, mm-hmm. that is, that is the biggest pressure you can have when you are a professional. All right, let's jump to uh Julian Edelman, by the way, just to wrap up our lists, uh, Matt Judon, five for Greg, John Smith five for me, uh, Matt, Patricia four, Trent Brown, four for me. Uh, Greg has John who at three, I have Jalen Mills. Uh, Greg has Joe judge at two. I have Mac Jones at two and we both have Belichick at one. Obviously. When we look at these lists, Greg, you put a, a heck of a lot more on the coaching staff than I do. I, I wanted to look at the players more than that. Mm-hmm. I just I think Belichick again he he put the staff uh, together, and I feel like if Joe Judge sucks or Matt Patricia sucks or they both suck, it's all going to go back on Belichick. They, yep. They're going to say, well, what did you expect? You know, you put mm-hmm. guys in there that weren't qualified, Bill. And they did the best they could do. And as we knew before the season began, their best is not good enough. So I, I, I wanted to lean more towards the players. All right, let's talk about Julian Edelman. Uh, he joined I Am Athlete. I just, I love that name. I Am Athlete, that podcast. And uh, Greg, you know, they're, they're hitting him hard about mm-hmm. coming back and playing. A lot of people are saying, ooh, Julian could come back. Oh, you know,
0: Julian might come back. What do, what do you make of that? Well, a couple things, um, you know, I listened to the podcast and, and I do think this is a situation and, you know, Nick, you know, it from radio. I know it from, you know, either writing or podcasting or what have you, um, you know, sometimes, especially when you're athletes, I would say, I wouldn't say that Brandon Marshall is there scripting these shows, um, and doing a lot of research. I would say he probably has a producer who, you know, says, these are the topics that we should talk about. And, you know, yeah. Edelman had been in the news about, you know, this however serious he was about possibly coming back, what have you. So I don't know. I, they hit that a lot. To me, that spoke of some producers saying like, you know, this is a good topic to go off of. I think it was clear from his comments um, multiple times. Julian Edelman's not coming back. I mean, he, 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 his body is just shot, let alone, you know, he did say I feel pretty good now, but that's because, you know, he's cut weight. He's not, you know, it's, he's not taking a pounding. I mean, he's not coming back. His knee's shot. He knows that, um, he needs to, he knows to, to get at his size and the way he plays football, he has to prepare himself like few others in the NFL. And he just can't, his body can't do it anymore. It can't So like leave Julian Edelman alone, stop talking about him coming back. It's not happening. It's just, it's, it's not. So that, you know, sort of bothered me. I did think, I think there were a couple topics that they touched on that that sort of you know called out to me I thought that you know he was asked on what makes the Patriots great and you know he talked about basically accountability the guys like you know Teddy Bruschi and Troy Brown and Kevin Falk and you know those guys they, they were always there. They always held everybody accountable. The guys who weren't, you know, doing their job and not working hard enough, they would get on them to the point of embarrassment. I thought that was interesting. And it just led me to think, like, you know, who's doing that on this team? And I think there's been some question in the last, you know, I, I would say the past five, six years on, you know, whether they still have that. I mean, there's no Dante Hightower anymore, who we know Dante Hightower could look at a guy across the locker room wrong and scare the living crap out of somebody to get their ass going. Um, right. you know, I do think a guy like David Andrews still does that. I think that Devin McCordy certainly does that to a certain extent and Matthew Slater, but are those guys, are they really the type of guys to get in your face and tell you like, you're not doing your job or are they just more, I see them as more lead by example guys and, you know, maybe talk here and there, but I, I think, I think, you know, this comes into the Mac Jones discussion. I think that yep. Mac Jones has to be one of those guys. And I do think, you know, as we talked about before, I do think I know one of the noticeable things on the practice field this in the offseason practices was Mac Jones taking more ownership and getting on guys. Like you need to do this. You need to go inside or outside or I saw it this way. You need to do it that way. That's going to be vital for this team. Mac has to do that. Somebody on the second level of the defense needs to develop that. I don't see a lot of guys, like I don't think Matthew Judon's that type of guy. He's more of a, I'll just do my job type of thing. Uh, but I do think some sort of linebacker needs to emerge in the Mayo, Dante, Hightower mold. for If this team's really gonna rise up, it's gonna have to be Mac Jones needs to take a huge leap and somebody at linebacker has to develop it would be interesting, like Jawan Bentley. We when we yep. talk
1: about Jawan Bentley, we say, like, oh, we know what we you know what we should expect from that guy. We know who he is. And and all of that is true. But, you know, when you really think about it, we talk about guys who have pressure on them. Bentley could have some pressure on him because he's the one dude on the second level that you feel you can depend on. Right. Again, we're we're seeing if Raquan McMillan will step up. We're gonna see if Mac Wilson can do the job, you know, and if Cam McGrohn can get healthy if Bentley falls back in any kind of way and doesn't produce, that's going to be a problem. And then also, you know, you might look to him to be that voice in the room because he's the dude that is the veteran. That is the steady hand on the second level. So, you know, Bentley's an interesting guy that we can look at, but I agree with you about Mac Jones. Like Mac is telling receivers don't round out their, their routes. You know, he's running, you know, routes for wide receivers to tell them and show them what to do he's mm-hmm. definitely stepped up and and i think the pressure is is a lot uh on his shoulders. Uh about Mac Jones, i know Julian Edelman talked about him, uh said, you know, he he's not there yet. And, and Edelman also said he was a little bit worried about the defense. Greg, your thoughts mm-hmm. on those comments?
0: Yeah, i thought those were interesting. i thought that, you know, it it um and maybe this comes from playing with Brady and seeing Brady and he's loyal to Brady, but i thought that um i, I wouldn't say that Edelman was over praising Mac Jones at all uh, you know a lot of it I wouldn't say he's he was you know disrespecting him or anything like that but it was a lot like um, oh, yeah he had a nice year you know but he needs to get stronger and you know he needs to keep working and he needs to take that leap but I do think I think Julian's absolutely right that the way this team is constructed, it's a lot like the early dynasty Patriots teams where Tom Brady wasn't the goat. He was just, you know, the facility, a master facilitator who had ridiculously clutch moments. And I think that, I think that Mac Jones can be the facilitator. Can he be the clutch guy? It was a question we asked last year. Um, I do think there were some signs like the Dallas game coming back from interception and throwing a touchdown, um, you know, right after that where there are certainly signs that he can be that guy, but just like with Brady, you know, you have to earn it on the field. You have to prove it on the field. And, and, but I do think, I think Edelman's absolutely right. This team needs a strong defense. Edelman's right to question whether they're good enough to balance you know give the offense enough chances i think that was a big issue last year where i think the offense in large measure was good enough and produced enough but they weren't getting the ball enough in games and not enough possessions And i think they're going to need more more this year yeah i agree with all of
1: that uh, i know you listed some of the receivers in patriots lord patriots history You know, when we look at Edelman, we'll get into something else that he, that he had to say that has really been all over the place, especially on social media in a minute. But when you look at these receivers, you know, how do you kind of stack up Edelman when you look at him as a, as a Patriot receiver, where, where is he
0: at on your list, Greg? Well, I mean, I, you know, he, he, he just riffed off like Stanley Moss, Troy Brown, Wes Welker. Um, He didn't really place himself in there. I mean, look, I'm biased. I covered his entire career from Miami to new England. Um, you know, when we talk about, and they talked a little bit about, you know, is Julian Edelman a hall of famer? And he said, he, he, you know, he said he even admitted probably no, because of his regular season numbers aren't there. And I do think he was going to make the case of, you know, but the postseason matters more and that's legitimate. And a lot of people make that argument for him. You know, to me, I think, you know, I, let's just deal with, you know, just, just Welker and Edelman. I think that to me, Wes Welker was clearly. In terms of the Hall of Fame material, it comes Wes Welker, and then Julian Edelman maybe maybe gets a look at that because you know Wes Welker had the regular season stats. You know, yeah, he doesn't have the Super Bowl titles, but um, you know he still produced all the time. And I just think that you know there's no no doubt in my mind that Stanley's number one about you know all the Patriots receivers. You know, and I would probably have Wes Welker, then Troy Brown, then. Julian Edelman or, you know, in that sort of I'm taking Moss out because he wasn't here long enough in terms of Patriots receivers, but um that's where I would go. I agree. Like if you had Moss on like a five or six year run, then forget about it. Like that right.
1: what that dude did in his limited time was just almost inconceivable what, what he accomplished offensively with Brady when when he was here. So uh yeah, I mean, look, I think people will crystallize the argument with one singular play for Welker and Edelman in that argument. And I I think it'll be Welker dropping the pass against the giants in the super bowl Mm -hmm. and Giselle yelling (laughs) after the game and and people thinking about the Edelman catch against the Falcons, which was just absurd. I think people will go back to that, but when you talk about, you know, totality, it's tough to, it's tough to argue against Wes Welker. Um, I, I do think Edelman Does have the feather in the cap when you talk postseason because that dude in the biggest games he just he showed up and he you know he he gets literally knocked out on his feet against the Seahawks and just keeps playing, Uh, he makes that catch against the Falcons, just so many different things that he did even you know trying to play in the secondary uh, a few years back against the Ravens in that game so. I mean, I think when you talk postseason, Edelman is going to absolutely be you know near the top of that list, if not at the top of the list. The other guy is you know, postseason is Dion Branch and what he did for, for his, yeah. his
0: time
1: with the Patriots. He showed mm-hmm. up big, obviously. Uh, the last thing to talk about as far as what Edelman had to say, yeah, he he kind of piled on Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, uh, we go back a, a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago now. I don't know when it was. All time kind of runs together. But Martellus Bennett dumped on Garoppolo going back. A little while ago and Edelman was kind of you know presented those quotes by Bennett and he he didn't disagree he no he threw more gasoline on the fire just you know your thoughts on how those guys on that team with Jimmy G kind of view him now looking back at, at some of the things that he decided to
0: do that they obviously disagreed with yeah I think um it was legit at the time, and I remember talking to people around the team and asking, like, you know, is, is Groffalo tough? And, you know, I the response I would get is uh, not as much as you would like. And, um, you know, now I will point out that Edelman was wrong in saying that it was Jimmy's non-throwing shoulder. It was his throwing shoulder. And I remember sort of the arguments at the time, you know, should he play? And, you know, guys like Felger were going after Garoppolo and look, no, it's no way. no way. Yeah. Felger was going after somebody, it, Greg, you know what's it, it, Yeah, it's legitimate. And like, I do think, I, I do think, and I do think Jimmy was getting advice from his agent because he was going to be a free agent after the season. And they saw, you know, chance to set himself up, starting opportunity, what have you. Um, I do think that though that Jimmy should have knowing that Brady was coming back after four games I think that Jimmy should have done whatever he could to play for those four games. It not only would have given the Patriots the be- their best chance at winning all of those games but it would have uh you know it would have Proving himself to his teammates and also people around the league. And I think that, you know, just a basically like a quarter and a half or what have you, it was that he did. You know, it was great and all. And at the end of the day, Jimmy got what he wanted. Um, and I do question whether he whether he thinks it's wrong um, in hindsight. I bet you he doesn't. I think he's comfortable with the decision that he made because I don't I think him and his agent didn't want to put bad film out there. That, like, you know, he hurt his throwing shoulder and now all of a sudden he doesn't have as much zip on the ball. He's throwing, like, later Chad Pennington and all of a sudden he hurts his market where now he can say, no, I was just hurt. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's the type of dynamics that go on in the NFL. You know, Edelman laid it out well about how, you know, how he's playing with this and that, getting shot up and broken ribs and this and that. And, like, you know, this guy has a sore shoulder and he can't play. And that's legit. Those guys look at each other and it's you know, warrior type stuff. It's not for the faint of heart. It's, you know, the criticism is real. Uh, even though fans want to say, oh, well, that's not the way. They feel. Yeah, it's real. That's that's the way these guys feel. If, if they're out there giving up their bodies, which 95% of them do week in and week out, they expect their teammates to do the same because they're all working to win a Super Bowl. And when some guy, when at least the perception is that guy's not doing it, he gets tagged on it, and it's tough to, to live that down. And I think even with what we've seen in San Francisco, I think there's questions about that. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how Jimmy reacts to this uh, going forward. I to Personally, I don't think it changes his mentality one iota. He made a
1: personal decision, and he made a— A business a wallet, decision. A business decision, yep. He made a personal decision and a business decision and a wallet decision. And guys see that, you're right, you know, whether you think it's fair or not, in the outside world, that's the world they live in. And, you know, you see some of this with the vaccination stuff, you know, last night, Tanner Hawk, not, not able to go for the Red Sox. They blow a, a, a lead in the ninth inning against the blue Jays. And, you know, some guys, no doubt, look at Trevor story. Trevor story said, look, I didn't want to get vaccinated, but you know, I talked to the team and, I want to play in Toronto and we got to play against the blue Jays. So I'm getting it. And and there's no doubt that some guys with the Kyrie Irving thing last year in the NBA and how that's caused friction with the nets, you know, you're, you're expected to, again, whether it's fair or not, you're expected to put your own personal situations and thoughts on the back burner when you're a professional athlete in a team sport and, you know, do what's right by the team and Garoppolo. He's been tagged with that stuff as not necessarily always doing that. And, obviously Bennett and Edelman have doubled down and and told us that he deserves that tag. He he deserves that label placed on him. It is interesting. You know, now, as we look at Jimmy G and I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Jimmy G. I don't think he's very good. I think he's pretty much average, maybe slightly above average when he's healthy anyway, but it is interesting Greg to see how his agent and and, and Jimmy are kind of playing the opposite side of this, right? Now they're saying, well, you know, he, he fought through injury when he was a Niner at the end of the season. He wasn't healthy and you know, it's not, it's not necessarily fair to judge him. He just had surgery. And so they're kind of playing the other side of this coin. Now they're, they're saying, well, you know, he wasn't healthy though. He, he was like, if you didn't love what he did at the end of the season last year, he wasn't healthy. So they're kind of picking and choosing when it's the right time to pick and choose. Let's get to the uh, Boston member question of the day, 39 99 on the annual plan, uh, top-notch analysis from Corrales and Ryan and McAdam. Of course, if you're a Patriots junkie and if you're listening to this, you are Uh membership at PSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis that Greg does on the coaches film and direct access to him in the weekly chats. Uh, Greg, do you have or questions for us this week?
0: Yeah, I'm, I got one question from, um, you know, Robert uh, MCT 2017. And he basically asks, you know, after, and this is after reading my column on Patriots with the most pressure on them. He said, Greg, I gotta wonder if Bill's backup plan is himself, and 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 I do think that's legitimate in terms of and he's talking about the offensive coaching and things right. like that, and I think that's absolutely legitimate. We saw his; he was much more attentive to the offensive side of the ball during off-season practices. Um, you know, when he wasn't talking to Utah State defensive coordinators for entire practices. Um, but I, I I think that's legitimate. I do think he's going to help there. But you know, as the 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 question is, and we've brought it up before, what's the trickle-down effect? I mean, are Steve and Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo, are they good enough on their own? They weren't last year, especially with the Dallas debacle. Are they good enough on their own to handle the defense and let Bill just deal with the offense? You know, what about Cam Accord and the special teams, which were one of the worst in the league last year? You know, is Bill Belichick needed over there? I mean, I think, yes, I think Bill has... Supreme confidence in himself that he can get things straight, he wouldn't have put these guys in this position if he didn't think with his input that they couldn't be successful so and he and he's earned that right to do that uh but I do think absolutely he's part of the equation when you talk about the coaches that's why he's
1: number one on our list as far as most pressure for this football team. He's got a lot on his plate he might end up having even more on the plate if other guys don't perform the way he expects them to perform on this coaching staff so yeah a lot of pressure on bill but you know he's he's kind of earned that right he's 70 years old he's been around the block more than a few times and this is how he sees it and the best thing about sports really is no matter how i feel about it or you feel about it or the fans feel about it or any other sports people feel it you know sports media people feel about it Inevitably, there is a scoreboard in sports, right? And and we'll find out if Belichick got it right or if he got it wrong. If this team is miserable, if it's not coached well, then Belichick got it wrong. If this team, you know, ends up playing well and, and winning, you know, 10, 11 games with this schedule and gets back to the playoffs and Mac develops, then people won't be losing their minds as much. Uh, he is Greg Bedard. I am Nick Cattles. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. UFC 276, bet online. Don't forget Volkanovski Holloway, Cannon Air, Adesanya. You've got Sugar Shane, O'Malley versus Pedro Munoz. A lot of great fights if you're a fight fan. Check that out. BetOnline.ag, the fastest, easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports and favorite fights. Uh, everybody have a good weekend. Enjoy the 4th of July. Enjoy the holiday, the extended break that everybody has. Be good, be safe. Don't pull a JPP and be healthy. Uh, We'll be back next time. He's Greg. I'm Nick. Greg Bedard, Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavill.